What's up, homies? I'm Erica. I'm Roshane J. And we are so happy that you decided to hang out with us today as we come at you with a little a little surprise bonus episode action. So for the next, well, so this is going to be a three-part bonus thing. So starting with part one today, we are going to be talking about The Haunting of Hill House, which is a show that is on Netflix that came out last year, I believe. I think so. Uh, I think it started back in 20, like the end of 2018. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, it did. So this is, yeah, 2018. So two years ago, actually. Yeah. Um. It's been so, yeah, it's been on there for a little a minute, but we um, are very excited for the new season to come out. That comes out October 9th, Mm -hmm. so just in a couple of weeks. But in honor of the new season coming out, we thought that we would go back and take a look at this first season um, and just kind of talk about it, give our thoughts. We thought it'd be nice to give our homies a little bonus content for a couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. So we are going to be talking about that. And I've actually, so I've seen this before. I watched it when it first came out and then I rewatched it, obviously, when we decided we were going to talk about it again. However... Yeah, this is my uh so homies, this is my first time actually watching this show. And whew, who damn is this show good? Oh my <laughs> lord, this show is good. But yeah, I'm a I'm a first timer, so you're gonna get two different perspectives here. You're gonna get a veteran to this show, along with uh, you know, some new blood. hmm Yeah, and so the way that we're gonna be setting it up basically. This first episode, we're just going to be going um, through the first four episodes of the series. We're going to introduce you to the characters, kind of get you into the story a little bit, give you our thoughts on these first couple of episodes. I would, I think it would be interesting maybe at the end to hear from you, Roshane, and see kind of what your theories and thoughts on things are um and where you think things will be going fair Um, fair yeah because i'm watching i'm watching along with our series right now like we're doing Mm -hmm. this on purpose so that we get these two different perspectives so mine is a fresh perspective every week of like i just watched these and i am i am fresh i am fresh off the hill house boat right now (laughs) yeah if you can't tell i'm a little excited to talk about this because the show is so good it's so good and yeah so basically i was like i i decided on how we would split it up based on how i you know where i thought the brunt of the information was episode per episode so we're gonna do four in this one next episode we're gonna do the next four and then our very last part is gonna be the very last two episodes and then a wrap-up of the entire season so and like our thoughts on everything so yeah we're gonna go ahead and dive in and talk about it first of all 
before we even get into the characters and stuff, I just want to know your general thoughts after having watched the first four episodes. Okay. Um, so coming coming off of the first four episodes, the first thing that I really noticed about this show and what I love about this show is it, for me, it is the perfect horror slow burn that I've ever seen. Like It's mm-hmm. so good at just distributing the information that you need at the just right pace to make it engaging, engaging enough that you want to keep watching, but not like overwhelming that you're just getting bombarded by scares every two seconds. Like the pacing is slow, but there's so much payoff. And when, when the scares do happen, yo, they're so good though. Like Mm -hmm. they're so good. And like, I mean, we'll get into it. Like you can already hear me fanboying over it, but it takes, (laughs) you can tell that this show takes and pulls from everything that we've learned about horror movies up until now and finds a way to execute them perfectly on the screen and i just fucking love sitting through and watching it Mm -hmm. it's yeah this show is one of like it does a very good job of just always instilling this creepiness feeling within you Mm -hmm. like regardless of if anything scary is actually happening or not um they do a good job of making you feel like something bad is always happening yeah and like it's a stressful show to watch it is very stressful and i'm afraid to tell you it only gets more stressful from from this point on so buckle up yeah it's (laughs) it's great but so the way that this the way that this show is is set up as far as like the narrative side of it is we get the past and we get the present. So when we we get to watch these main characters when they were kids and we get to watch them now as adults. So we kind of hop back and forth between what happened to them in the past and what's happening to them now. And so in the past, the majority of the stuff that actually happens at Hill House is it's going to happen in a flashback because in the present, they are no longer living in this house. They lived in it when they were younger. So specifically when they're in the house, they do such a good job with like the shadows. And if you look in the background and this is one of those series, I definitely recommend watching it more than once because if you pay attention to the background, there's always some weird shit going on. Like, yeah, I can feel that. It, Even on the first watch through, like I can feel myself missing things because there's just so much to take in in mm-hmm. every scene. Like every single scene, you feel like there's something. And like unless you're rewinding every two seconds, which would kill watching the show for me, like you you just it, it's impossible to take it all in during one watch. Like I definitely yeah. feel that. Mm-hmm. Because there's a lot of weird like there's a lot of statues in the house and sometimes you'll look and the statue will be looking one way and then you'll look again and it's looking a different oh, way. Oh no, now I'm going to be looking out for that all the time now. It's I didn't fun. I have not noticed that once. If that's a thing, I have not seen that once and now I'm terrified. Ooh. Oh, I love it. Yeah, so they they're really good at doing those really minimal scares 
once again, we talked about this a lot in our hereditary episode. It's the idea that if you see it, great, you got scared. But if you didn't see it, uh, they're not going to point it out and be like, hey, like the, it's just kind of one of those you see it if you do. And if you don't, it's not going to mess up the story for you. It's just almost like a bonus scare. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have a lot of those. But also the main scares that they do are are so they're they're great like they're really good and they're really scary um and the house itself oh what a setting that house is so creepy it is it is really creepy it's like it's one of those things where like i could see the appeal of living in that house because it's so big and it's like you can tell it has a lot of history and i think that if they did fix it up the way that they wanted to it probably would have been amazing mm-hmm. but it's still a really creepy house and if i was a child living in that house i don't know i don't uh, know i i from a very early age i know that big houses are just not for me like they are just so creepy i don't like having that much space where i can just be alone like i think even as a full on adult if i had all the money in the world i would still probably have a smaller house cuz i i just don't want I don't want to have three different rooms that I never know what's happening in those rooms at any moment. Like I need to know. I need to know. I don't want no, I don't want no two guest rooms. Okay. If you come, if you're going to come visit me, you can go stay in a hotel and I'll invite you over. I don't want to have some guest rooms where there's ghosts just chilling on the bed every single night. And I don't know because I'm never in there. No, 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 no. no. I don't Mm -hmm. want that. Right. And I'm like, and I thought about it and I was like, these kids are probably just, how do they keep track of these kids? Because they, these these kids could get lost probably so easy. I can't even imagine being a parent and just being like, where is my child? And having to traverse miles and miles of a house just to find them because right. they're like up hidden in some room on the 17th floor that I didn't even know existed I would be like what is this we can't do this you guys are gonna have to be on a leash because I I can't figure it out I'm also one of those people that I don't want to have portions of my house that I don't know exist like some people might find that kind of cool or fun to be like oh look at this part of the house that we never found oh look at this secret room or the secret compartment I never want that in my home I want (laughs) to know the entire floor plan and layout of every inch of the place that I own. I do not want any secret hiding spots. No, no, no. No no surprises. <laughs> not a single one. No. <laughs> I want the most bland, boring house possible and then I'll make it interesting. I don't want to be surprised by my yeah. I don't need my house giving me sentient surprises. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> I don't need that in my life. Yeah, that's fair. I don't want to stumble upon some random like some random room one day oh look at like, this what? huh this yeah. room this is a room oh. i've never seen before wait wait a second who's this jack the ripper guy his name's yeah. all over this place i wonder what this is no thank like, you oh, it's, it's covered in red paint <laughs> yeah um so they establish that the reason that they even are in this house is because their parents, they like flip houses. So their whole plan is to come to this house, fix it up, and then they're going to sell it for profit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's why they're there. And of course, you know, 
bring your they're going to bring their their kids with them and have them stay with them because they plan to be there for the whole summer. And there's enough rooms. There's definitely enough rooms for all the kids. Like yeah. it's definitely big enough for all of them to be there. So it only makes sense. But that establishes why they ended up in Hill House. And so the easiest way to kind of set the scene for you guys, the first four episodes, each episode focuses on uh, one of the main characters or in one of the members of this family. So we're going to go through each episode, but basically we'll just be going through each character since they're the main focus of every episode. Mm-hmm. So starting with episode one, which we have uh, episode one is called Steven sees a ghost. Mm-hmm. So obviously we are following Steven, who is the oldest brother of the family. Right. And so what do we what do you think of Steven? Um all right. Well, here's the thing. Is I feel like I'm cuz I'm also trying to stick to episode 1 as much as I can here, but it kind of feels mm-hmm. like the show tries to paint Steven a little bit as like the bad guy of the of the remaining family like because they so he's a writer, right? And after mm-hmm. his experiences at the house, we get that he's right. He writes books about haunted houses and either writes about his experiences there or he like proves them wrong. And then he's got a house or he's got a story about his house and his his sisters are just not really fans of how he portrayed their family. And it kind of feels like he's like profiting off of the family suffering for what they have to deal with in the Hill House. But outside of that, outside of the context of that, it feels like he's also a guy that's trying to kind of move on from the things that happened when he was a kid. And he's just trying to kind of like establish this life. Like he does seem like he cares about his family, but the way the show paints him, he cares about it probably as equally as he does about his career. And, like, mm-hmm. I don't know whether or not that, I don't think that necessarily makes him a good or bad character, but I think it really just makes him very human and a very, like, gray area character. So, like, I don't hate him, but, like, a lot of the times you, I feel like you see him do things and it kind of comes off as, like, cold or a little bit, like, you know, not as compassionate as some of the other people in the family. Mm hmm. But but yeah. it se- but it just seems like he's trying to kind of he's trying to have a life post Hill House. That's that's the feeling that I was getting from from Steven's character. It's like he's really trying to establish a life post all these things that happened to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, another great thing about this show is that each of these characters are painted like they're real people. Nobody's just good and bad. Everybody is a mix of everything. And so even in the characters that you may not like as much or feel like aren't as, you know, likable or they're not as good as a different character, like there's still parts of them that I think that you can like understand like you can understand yeah. why he is this way yeah the like, right the writing does a great job in grounding all the characters and all the all the actors and actresses actresses in this movie movie this tv show 
do really great in portraying that um because yeah they all just feel so human and that's one of the things i really love apps i absolutely love about this show is just how real this family feels like mm-hmm. if it, it feels like a family that you would meet that has clearly gone through some collective trauma together and here's kind of like the end result of what happens to them afterwards because when you see right. when you see steven as a as a kid he's a really good older brother like he he really seems like a cool kid and like he cares about his siblings yeah i like that juxtaposition a lot because it's like when we when we cut back to steven yeah, he's like a really caring older brother. You can see that he takes it very seriously, that he's like, you know, oh, I've got to help my like my siblings get this thing done. And he, you know, like that uh, whole moment between him and Luke, like in like in his little area was that that was so sweet. Like he, yeah. he was such a good big brother to him. And he's like, even though. He's not believing the things that Luke is necessarily saying. He's tackling it in such a, I'm a big brother, I got you sort of way. Or it's just like, he seems so nurturing yeah. and caring. He's very patient. And I yeah, think that's he's super the thing patient. that he loses as he gets older, is he loses that patience with his siblings. Mm-hmm. Because he just doesn't really have time for what he would consider their bullshit he doesn't have time for it what they like to them they have these issues and they you know they need help dealing with certain things mm-hmm. and steven kind of gets to this point with a lot of his siblings where he just doesn't have time to try and help them through their issues anymore. Yeah. And that's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that because we come to like, when we find out more about, you know, what each of the characters are kind of dealing with, you can understand why Steven might be like, yo, I've been dealing with this for forever. It's, we got to like either you get better or we move on like yeah. and that he seems almost like, has that kind of a mentality about yeah it. and it seems like that's what he's kind of trying to do with a book too of like he's like look here's this book it's it's a representation of the shit that we went through it's gonna sell really well and then we can all like i'm willing to give you guys some cash money for it too so that we can get something profitable out of this shitty thing that we dealt with as kids and he's like let's let 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 this be the seal that kind of ends everything like come on guys like let's Mm -hmm. fucking move on like he really has that energy through a lot of the interactions that you have with him and it's like i i i mean i get it and like one thing i want to like point out too even as like a first watcher is i love the format that they use for this show especially in the first four episodes of one the way they cut back and forth between present and the past is so well done like they have they have this system of like match cuts that they that they like to do between characters of like something they're doing in the present time or in the past and how it connects to the present and they do it in such a way that it doesn't feel forced or like very like in your face like they all feel very natural and they all seem to come at like great points in time throughout the show and like i love the transitioning back and forth and i also love the framework of having the first couple episodes just take because it takes the same kind of period of time basically within the present 
and then gives you everybody's perspective on what they were doing and how they viewed that little period of time. And the way they do it, it's it the pacing's so good because they reveal every time you get another person's perspective, you get revealed more and more information about something that you thought that you knew. Like mm-hmm. outside of being an amazing horror tv show this is also like such a great mystery tv show too because you're trying to get mm. all the little pieces of the things that were going on yeah i'm a sucker for shows like that where it's from different perspectives and each thing like unlocks a new um thing like it, it's just such a, it's a great way to make people want to watch the next episode yeah because it's like you see something in one episode and you're like okay but why was she running across the street like mm-hmm. what's going on there so of course you're going to continue to watch because you need to know why and then it's so satisfying when you finally see why because you're just like piecing together this puzzle and at the end when you finally get the full puzzle you're like oh my god duh like it, it makes so much sense and so then it's so much fun to go back and rewatch it already and and no and be like yes okay i know why this happens and oh that makes a lot more sense than it did the first time mm-hmm. i uh, i could watch shows like that all day yeah but like um, we get a huge one um and we'll talk about it more when we get into like luke's episode but like the interaction between Steven and Luke in the present is so layered. But when you get that in the first episode, like you don't really get to you don't get to know because mm-hmm. here we have one character who we spent an entire episode with and we've gotten a lot of their perspective. And then here we're introducing a character that we've heard about throughout the episode, but we haven't really seen much of. And the one instance that we do see them, they're doing something bad, right? They're doing something that's Mm -hmm. very clearly a bad thing. Like he's robbing his brother and you're like, what the fuck is going on here? Um, Yeah. Yeah. And it's great because from Steven's perspective, this is what we know. What we know of Luke is that he is a drug addict, basically, now that he's an adult. And Steven is like it so we like we set up that yeah he's a drug addict but then oh we find out that he just got his 90 day chip he's 90 days clean yeah but then we cut to the scene of steven coming home and luke is robbing him like he has he stole his camera and he stole his ipad they run into each other and you just see on and so on from steven's point of view he's like oh we're back to this now great Mm -hmm. and of course as the audience you think the same thing because all you know of luke is that he's a drug addict so of course he's stealing steven's stuff to sell it for drugs like that's just you have only seen things from this one person's point of view and really you can only go off of what he knows but it's also even it's even more heartbreaking too though because we've only had so much time with these characters too right but we've seen the relationship that Steven's had with Luke in the past. So like Mm -hmm. seeing that interaction with them as kids, like just, you know, Steven being the good big brother that he is to fast forwarding now with Luke walking out of his apartment with his things, you're just like, man, that is, that is heartbreaking to see. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so like specifically with Steven's character, I think, 
Well, specifically with Steven and Luke's characters, you can really see kind of the disconnect that they have from their siblings compared to what they were like when they were younger. Mm -hmm. And for Steven, like we said, the biggest disconnect that he's kind of formed this rift with his family because he's written this book about Hill House. But the issue that his family has is that Steven doesn't believe in ghosts. He's never seen a ghost. Yeah. And he's the only person that night who basically saw nothing. Saw nothing. He slept through most of the night. So he doesn't really know what happened. He's just taking what he's heard from his family, putting it into a book and profiting off of it. Yeah. From Steven's point of view, it's all just a mental illness ghosts do not exist and his family is very offended by that because they're he's painting his a lot of the people in his family to look like they're crazy Mm -hmm. and making money from it so like the things that what what we establish before we go to the next episode what we establish in this first episode is that something happened at hill house that caused the dad to take all of the kids, leave the mom alone in the house, and she ended up committing suicide. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing that we learn is that at the very end of this episode, we find out that Nellie, who is the is Luke's twin, they're both the youngest uh, of the family, but mm-hmm. they're twins. Nellie is found dead at Hill House. And Stephen finally sees a ghost because he arrives at his apartment and he sees Nellie there and he's talking to her thinking that she's it's just her alive. Yeah. And his dad calls him and is like, hey, um, they found your sister. She she died. And he turns around and he realizes that she's a ghost. So she he finally sees a ghost. Yeah. And so that is. Kind what of his perspective, though. Yeah, I will, from I will, his perspective. I will say, like, even moving on, because we'll get it a couple times throughout these other episodes too. But that moment that we do that sh- that sh- that jump shot between all the different siblings when they all feel that connection to Nelly kind of sever at the mm-hmm. same time. I mm-hmm. love that shit. Like, I yeah. absolutely love that scene sequence because I just feel like it it really theoretically put this family together using different you know film film tools they 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 found a way to connect this family that seems like they've become disconnected through the years they found a way to just connect all of them at once and they do it in less than 30 seconds and i think it's just mm-hmm. a beautiful sequence and like when i saw yeah. it the first time i was like i really love this like this is so good yeah it's great cuz immediately you get the fact that they are all not only connected to each other, but connected to this house. Yeah. And yeah, so at 3.03 a.m., all of the siblings just like jolt up in bed. And yeah, it's an it's a it's a great shot because it just like right away you're like, oh my God. Okay, something bad. Yeah, <laughs> something some, bad is happening. Something really bad is happening. So yeah, so from that point on, we get into episode two, which is called Open Casket. So this episode is going to focus on Shirley, who is the second oldest. And she, like, we can tell from her and kind of 
first meeting her that she is kind of a control freak. She seems like she feels the need to take on. She even says to Steven, like, you're supposed to be the oldest, but I have to handle everybody's shit. Yeah. She feels very put upon by her family, but she loves them. Like, she's not, you know, she's not as cold and indifferent to them as Steven is. But you can also kind of tell that she she feels like she's the one who has her like everything together and so she has a very she wants things her way and you can tell that when they're not her way she gets very very frustrated (laughs) yeah and she she also poses as a great kind of like foil to adult steven too because she's the flip side of the coin of like she's the older sibling that isn't distancing themselves from this scenario and like understanding that the family went through this trauma and mm-hmm. she can't just ignore the fact that they went through this trauma. Like it is a part of them it is a part of their history and it's affecting all of them. And she's not shying away from it. Like Steven is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She definitely. She... Shirley is an interesting one because it's like, you can tell that she she knows that weird things happened and you can tell that she like saw a lot more and dealt with a lot more than Steven did at Hill house, but she doesn't, she still doesn't acknowledge it. It's like she knows, but she doesn't want to say anything. Yeah. Like she, she's still kind of rational about it. Yeah, she she's one of those people where she's like, okay, well, there's there's got to be a reason. And like when we so in the present day, she is she owns like a, a funeral home. It's attached to her house and she's a mortician. She does everything like she puts the funeral together. She in, she in her in the basement of the funeral home, like she embalms and like does all the makeup for the like the cadavers and everything yeah, like for like the <laughs> basically at the her home. yeah yeah but um, I, I, i'm just gonna jump in real quick of like i love the framing of this episode and like the the reasoning that they give for shirley's choice and like profession and where she goes in life is so mm-hmm. beautifully set up by the flashbacks that we get for her that is just yo writers mm, chef's fucking kiss of that shit yeah it's because you have to like it's like you wonder you're like but why would you why would you do this like why yeah, why would you why... want to get into this and like so, so oh, i was go gonna ahead. say no yeah we go into her as a kid where she is like kind of searching through the grounds and then she finds that box of like just abandon like little kittens it looks like like there's a bunch of kittens mm-hmm. in a box that she just is like hell-bent on keeping alive and keeping safe which you know i guess kudos to the parents for letting her keep that uh I was, I feel like as a parent if my kid like brought in a box of cats from a shed outside i'd probably be like we're taking these somewhere like well, yeah, it's like you should probably take them to the vet first. Yeah. Before you just bring them in. Yeah. But 
Yeah, and and they even they even get into an argument about that la- later. The parents do, mm-hmm. but I can see. Like, I guess you just kind of think, like, oh, this will be a cute, fun little thing for my <laughs> for my daughter to do. Yeah. And that's what the the dad. Yeah, the dad's like, oh sure, because you know it's obvious that their their mom isn't around, so they're all by themselves. And the dad's like, yeah, sure, bring the cats inside. So she does, and. She feeds them that night, and then when she wakes up, one of the cats has died. Yeah. And that's kind of like, that's her first touch with death, I think, right? I think that's mm -hmm. what the show's trying to establish. Like, that's the first time she's been introduced to the idea of death. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, you know, it's like a very new thing for her. And and the parents do, (laughs) so this is another, like, the parents do a good job of explaining it to her particularly the mom mm-hmm. um which the mom know, the mom's portrayed really well too like yeah. because the mom that's one of the things that i do love is like we know that something tragic ends up happening to the mom but we still get to explore who the mom is through these episodes and you can tell that she is just she's very being a good mom is very important to her and mm-hmm. raising her kids in like a loving just beautiful way is like something that she strives to do mm-hmm. and so like it makes yeah. it almost makes what happens in the first episode even more tragic because you're just like oh my goodness like yeah you it sets up this uh, you know you know that something horrible happens with her and you know that from the way that they set it up in the first episode that she kind of isn't herself anymore by the mm-hmm. time that that happens so you're just waiting to see what kind of journey she's going to go on and it is kind of, and it's sad because you're like oh my god she is such a great mom and yeah. you can tell that she loves her kids so much so you know that whatever happens like it's gonna be really really sad mm-hmm. <laughs> um but yeah so the mom kind of explains death to her and it goes well at first, um, mm-hmm. but then as she is about to bury the cat, she notices that it its neck is moving. It looks like it's breathing. Yeah, oh, that's in. And so, so and so she's like, no, wait, it's still alive. And she, like, picks the kitten up, and she's, like, you know, trying to kind of coax it into, like, waking up, basically. And then a bug crawls out of the cat's mouth. And you're just and like, like that's that's the most traumatizing shit. Like straight up, mm-hmm. like, like how how do you how do you have a good a good relationship with death after like getting like feeling the weight of something dying, being put at ease about the idea of death, then getting like you know your your hopes up that maybe this isn't death, like maybe there's still a chance, and then just the reality of like yeah, when you're dead, bugs just crawl through your fucking insides like yeah it's just yeah you're just like this empty shell basically and a bug just can live inside of you and crawl out of your mouth it's like so it's even on this rewatch i knew it was happening but i almost skipped through this part i was like do i want to watch this again and I yeah was it's like, hard yeah, to watch it's like it yo you don't want you know <laughs> and like yo she got did dirty in that scene she really did that she that did. sucked and then she's she has to distraught. deal and then she has to just keep dealing like in the past like she's just slowly watching these cats just fucking die off over time like mm-hmm. yeah so she wakes up again the next morning and 
all of the cats have died except for one except for one basically dying and so she talks to her mom again and she's like at this point in time she's really jaded about the idea of death and she's really freaking out and her and her mom get into a little bit of an argument and this is when we find out that olivia has really bad migraines but she calls them color spells Mm -hmm. and when she has them like she cannot function like nobody can talk to her she can't really see she can't think so this is the first instance that we see her kind of not slipping up because it's not her fault but it's the first time that we really see her be kind of aggressive with her kid because she yells at Shirley, like she screams she, at her she, she loses Shirley's it. screaming. Yeah, she loses it. Like she's imperfect for a second. Like she's been portrayed as like this perfect mom all the way up until this moment. And then we slap a little bit of reality on her as like she also is dealing with shit too. Like she's not mm-hmm. this impenetrable, just fortress of good motherly love. Like she's also human, is dealing with some stuff herself. Yeah, but and I also love the way this is a good instance of I love the way that they kind of set up Hugh and Olivia's relationship Mm -hmm. because you can see that they really are a team because after this happens, they get into a little bit of an argument where Olivia's like, why did you let her bring these cats in? And then he was like, what was I supposed to do? Like they get into an argument, but then they resolve it really quickly and they both agree. They're like, hey. We had a bad day. We're still good parents. Like, we'll get through this together. Yeah. And, yeah, so they set up this idea of them having this really great dynamic. And so it's just another instance of being like, oh, God, what's going to happen to them? Yeah. And then all the while this is happening, too, like, we're also cutting to the present where now we're a little bit, I believe we're a little bit past the instance with Nelly. Like, now everybody knows that she's dead and, and like. They're figuring mm-hmm. out what to do, and Shirley is is set on the fact that she's going to be the one to prep uh, Nelly for the funeral. Like, mm-hmm. like it, she's the one that's going to do it. Like nobody else can do it. Um, mm-hmm. Which is just like, yo, after everything you've been through, like you're really putting yourself through that too. Like that yeah. is that's a bold choice. Like I. I know for a fact, like, I wouldn't do that job in general. Like, I, I do not have the, the stones for that. But I don't think, even if I could do that job, that I'd be able to do that job to, like, a family member. Like, that just... Mm-hmm. Well, like, and everybody, everybody's like, bro, are you sure? Because um, she lives... So, Theo is her younger sister, and she lives in Shirley's guest house. Mm-hmm. And so... Both Theo and Shirley's husband are like, dude, you don't have to do this. Like, yeah, you, we can there hire are, someone else. Yeah, just get somebody else to do this. Like, why are you putting yourself through this? Like, your sister mm-hmm. just, for all you know, committed suicide. Like, why are you putting yourself through this along with mm-hmm. what you're already going through? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so then but they make it they make it make sense though like they do they make it make sense which is uh, because they make not only this make sense but at this point in time you're also like okay she had these horrible instances with death why would she want to do this job and then we finally see we cut back and she's at her mother's funeral 
and or her wake where they like view the body and she's like terrified to go up and see her she like refuses to walk down nobody can get her to go down and then finally the funeral director guy is like i'll walk with you and he brings her to olivia's body and shirley's like oh my god you fixed her like she looks like how i remembered her looking Mm-hmm. And the funeral guy's like, yeah, that's what I do. Like, it's my job to fix, you know, make people look like how you remember. And she is like, oh, my God, like, you can bring back a good memory of how they were. Like, that's amazing. Like, yeah. she kind of it helps her accept death. And yeah, it's like a really it's a really nice moment. I like that scene of him walking down with her it's really yeah and that realization you can like tell in that moment like she finds what she wants to do with the rest of her life like i think that's Mm -hmm. very clear um it feels justified it feels like they really laid all the pieces there that it would make sense that shirley would grow up to do this um Mm -hmm. and so she i mean she ultimately does like she she is the one that ends up embalming and prepping her her sister and i mean she does a great job at it too like she does Mm -hmm. for all intents and purposes she fixes her up for the for the wake but i mean it's still just like it's not you can tell that it's not easy for her and Mm -hmm. like they don't try and play it that it is like it's clearly a very like traumatic thing to have to do but in some ways it kind of seems like a like therapeutic for her in a way too yeah it's you can tell that you can tell that if she didn't do it herself she wouldn't have been able to it would have been a lot harder for her yeah like as hard it is as hard as it is for her to do it herself it would have been worse if she had handed Nellie off to someone else yeah and let them do it so it's it's interesting Shirley is just really she's just a really interesting character to me because there's just she's just a like she's not what you would expect like because they could have really taken her down this very like stereotypical bossy older sister who needs everything the way that she wants it Mm -hmm. way but she just has so many weird layers to her and yeah i don't know she she's not she's not my favorite character but Mm -hmm. she's one of the most interesting characters yeah in my opinion. all these all these characters have so many layers and like i i find and i think this is interesting and it's also a big testament to the show right it's like towards the end of this episode we get like a pretty pretty hefty scare with like her finding another body in in the same room as her sister like when she's trying to leave and like it's like her mom right if i recall correctly like Mm -hmm. like she sees like the ghostly image of her mom and it's like so we've talked so much about like we're two episodes in right and we've talked so much about the family and the development we've we haven't even touched the fucking scares in this movie and i Mm -hmm. think it's because or i keep saying movie but tv show it (laughs) it feels like a freaking movie when you're watching it it does Mm -hmm. um it's just because the writing and the characters are so good that you're being scared along the way. Like there are some terrifying scenes in this show, but you keep watching because like you're so invested in these characters. 
you're mm-hmm. so invested and like even though you're dealing with this paranormal ex- stuff on the way through the storyline of what's happening to this family is just so engaging that like you have to keep going mm-hmm. yeah it's like you need to know you need to know what happened next and also you need to know what happened on that night like they do a really good job of giving you bits and pieces of like ideas of what may have happened. But regardless, you're like, okay, I gotta know like yeah. what happened like, in the house. Yeah. After episode two, I think, I think anybody watching this show as the first time viewer part of this podcast, anybody watching the show after episode two, you are just hooked. Like you are locked in. You, you are going to finish this show after episode two, because you're like, I need to know what happened to this family what's going to happen to this family like they lock you in you're you're just you're in it like Mm -hmm. i would never say that was the tipping point for me i'm like yep no i gotta i gotta watch this show um and the other thing with the scares too is like they do a great job of like they're always there but as you keep watching the show they get progressively more aggressive and Mm -hmm. that i think that's a lot of fun of the show too is like every episode I feel like you know that you're going to get spooked a little bit more than you got last episode. Yeah. Yeah, you're like, okay, what? And they also start to go more into, like, what's the scary things that happened to them when they were kids. Mm -hmm. Because at this point in time, we haven't seen too, too much, um, like, scary stuff happening to them. Because, like we said, Steven hadn't really had any moments in the house. Shirley's did have some moments, but it wasn't so much with the, oh, well, they do have a moment. So her and Theo do have a bit of a moment where they hear banging on the walls. Yeah. And so that was kind of, that's like what we saw for her. Mm -hmm. But now getting into episode three, which is touch we get to go into theo's story a little bit and and now she has that is a that is a a thick plot character like her her storyline is so mm, i i i i really appreciated (laughs) like the juxtaposition because she's like she's kind of like the hard ass of the family at this point like she's she seems Mm -hmm. very like matter of fact and blunt and stuff but like when you see her as a kid too like it just meant uh, okay uh, please continue sorry i just like all the every episode just gets progressively better i'm just like oh my god what's going on no you're good go ahead say what you're gonna say no no, no. okay so (laughs) so we get we get our first opening with theo right with like the whole club thing which i don't remember if that was in her episode or if that was in shirley's episode but like um i'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure that it was in Theo's episode. It's in Theo's episode when that happens. I'm pretty sure. Okay, I'm not. I'm not entirely sure because it could be either or. It's hard because all the stories interweave. Yeah. Um, but I'm pretty sure it was in Theo's episode. I don't know. Yeah, but like she goes, she goes to a club. Then she meets a girl. They hook up, and then like she very kind of like coldly tells her to leave. You know, and like you get a mm-hmm. you get a very interesting picture painted for you of Theo in that moment of like, OK, this is kind of a colder character. Um, But then she immediately goes and hangs out with her sister. And then she's kind of like 
warmer with her. And so mm-hmm. it seems like now we've got this character who clearly ha- puts up walls when it comes to other people, but there's a select few people that she's cool with and like she'll let them in a little bit. Mm-hmm. But she's also very matter of fact of like how she carries herself and how she speaks with people. And it's something that seems to have come from her childhood as well. Yeah, she's like a she's like a no bullshit kind of person. Like she gets right to the point. She doesn't beat around the bush. She like says what she means and she means what she says. Like it's she's just I feel like Theo's one of those people where it's like everybody has a friend where they know if they go to them, they're gonna tell them straight up like what they think. Like I feel mm-hmm. like that's Theo for this not to say that you know everybody because there's a lot of people in this family that are like that I think Shirley is like that to an extent but I think that Theo has a very different way of handling things than anybody else in her family because even even when she finds out about Nellie she is she is upset but she has more of a like she, well, she says she's she says she's mad. She, she's upset. Yeah, yeah. She doesn't react to it exactly the same as the rest of her family, and she has definitely her own way of dealing with it. And yeah, even when even when we flash back to her when she's younger, she's exactly. It's not like the way that she is isn't something that like she changed into we see that she's been like that since she was younger yeah it's just that i think she has managed to build up more walls and has discovered better ways of keeping people out as she's gotten older than when she was younger yeah she's she's got experience now in like keeping people at arm's length like she knows how to do that um mm-hmm. and despite this though like despite how kind of like stern and you know sometimes harsh she may seem then you get this juxtaposition of the fact that she works with kids usually as her perfect like she's like a kid psychiatrist Mm -hmm. and like it's just it's such a flip to see like this character navigate with adults and keep them at arm's length all the time but then she like sees kids and like she devotes her life to trying to help them yeah well because she even has this moment with like her niece where her niece thinks that she's like cool aunt theo when they have this like moment when they're having dinner where she mm, oh, mm-hmm. is kind of like playing around with her and so yeah it's it, she's very different when she's around kids but we so from the beginning we've noticed that she always wears gloves yeah and we and they introduced find- they introduced that so subtly too for the first time mm-hmm. like and once we get to it like we're about to go into like it like you're just like what the fuck like that meant something mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah because she's wearing them when she's in the club and she you know uh as soon as she hits it and quits it she like puts her gloves back on mm-hmm. and the girl is like what's that about and theo's like oh i'm a germaphobe like yeah. i'm kind of a germaphobe and so we come to find out that when she touches people and when she touches things she can feel things like she kind of gets a sense either it gets a sense about them um and can kind of see things about whatever she's touching so the first Mm -hmm. glimpse we get of that is she's helping her dad like clean 
up when we do a flashback. She's like helping her dad clean up a bunch of boxes. She touches this box and she's like, this feel, this is expensive or something. And he, he yeah. opens the box and it's like this very, very nice old bottle of wine. And he's mm-hmm. like, how did you know that? And she's like, I don't know. And so <laughs> we, we keep, I love how nonchalant about it she is yeah. as a kid. Every time she's like, I don't know. I just Because you know, can tell dude. that she kind of like doesn't really understand what's like what it is that she can do. But yeah. she knows she can do something. It's just she I don't think she quite gets how powerful it is. Um and so this is something that she utilizes when she's older because she can you know, if she takes her gloves off and shakes these kids' hands, she can kind of feel what's going on with them. Um, yeah. So that's something that she ends up being able to kind of use to her advantage. But you can see that if she touches someone and feels, you know, it can really take a toll on her. Like if she, she if she touches someone and they they're a horrible person or they've done a horrible thing, she's gonna sense that. And yeah, it she freaks, she yeah, feels it, it freaks her out. Obviously, you know, <laughs> I get <Yeah>. it. <laughs> like it's probably terrifying. I was like, it's a lot, a little bit of a emotional roller coaster, I'm sure. It'd be like, oh, this is an awful person that mm-hmm. I just met. Well, shit. Yeah, and so we get that in the present. She's dealing with this case with this kid, and they say that they're being tormented by this guy named Mr. Smiley, and mm-hmm. Theo ends up, you know, discovering basically that the the little girl's being abused by her foster parent the dad and so yeah Yeah. so theo like goes to her house and she like touches the couch and experiences the abuse that this little girl felt and it's like very you can it's like very emotional for her so you can see that like when she feels something like she really feels something and yeah and her and her mom kind of talks to her about it as a kid like because her mom i guess she references it as they're sensitive like that mm-hmm. was her that was her kind of like parent to kid explanation of like you know sometimes people in our family have these extra sensitive qualities about us and she can clearly see through what Theo's doing that she has some of this herself yeah so her mom is actually the one that gets her the gloves because she can mm-hmm. tell that something is wrong and it's just another instance of like the mom you know seeing that there's that her kid needs something and being the one to help her out and because there's a moment earlier in the episode where the mom touches theo and theo gets a vision of you know something horrible happening to her mom and it freaks her out yeah. and that's the thing that kind of leads into the mom getting her the gloves yeah and and the mom even mentions too that nelly is sensitive as well um and she believes Mm -hmm. that nelly can kind of see things that maybe other people can't see or hear things that other people can't hear yeah which is like one of those things where it's like even from a first watch perspective like because the first scene in the show like one of the first scenes is nelly dealing with a spirit like in bed and so, like, knowing that, 
and kind of flashing back to the first episode you're like oh shit yeah no that makes mm-hmm. sense uh it makes sense that nelly because nelly's kind of the one that's getting the most terrorized and as I, f- I feel like as you get more pieces of the puzzle introduced it makes sense as to why yeah because and especially specifically for nelly and luke they each it's interesting because nelly and luke when they get older are kind of the most affected by Hill House, but they also were the two kids out of all of them that almost kind of had specific ghosts that terrorized just them. And so it's interesting to see that they were the most haunted when they were at Hill House and are the most haunted in their adulthood in comparison to the other kids who maybe saw things sometimes and now are a bit more able to function in regular, you know, society compared to them. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I always thought that that was kind of interesting is that they very specifically have these entities that only Nellie or only Luke can see. And yeah. it definitely kind of trails into their adulthood. But we do get this scene with Theo and Luke. That's pretty scary. And... It's it's a scene where it, it like mm-hmm. flashes back to them as kids and Luke discovers this dumb waiter and there are these two people. They are like the groundskeepers of the house, um, Mr. Yeah. and Mrs. Dudley. They only work during the day, though. They're very adamant about not being there in, at night. And Mrs. Dudley tells Luke that he's not allowed to play with it because it's dangerous. So he waits until nighttime when she's gone and he gets in it and Theo discovers him in the kitchen and the dumbwaiter and Luke's like, just let me like write it up to the like top level and then I'll go to sleep. And so mm-hmm. Theo presses the button for it to go up and it ends up going down. And it ends up in this cellar that nobody knew existed. Oof. And it's <laughs> it's like the creepiest looking cellar. Luke is down there in the dark screaming because he he has like also it's oh go ahead the fact that luke looks so goddamn innocent oh. as a kid just makes it even worse like I that know. that poor Him kid and nelly when their kids are so freaking cute you're just like so sad anytime anything happens to them um mm-hmm. but yeah so luke is like screaming because he's down there in the dark and all he has is a flashlight and theo can't get it to work like she cannot get it to come back up and there's just this like man like that comes crawling out from behind a bunch of boxes and just comes mm-hmm. crawling towards Luke and then his flashlight goes out and you just hear him screaming. And it's like really, you know, Theo is by the time that they're able to get him back up because the parents end up waking up and they kind of get him back up at the dumbwaiter. Theo is like mm-hmm. distraught and yeah. obviously Luke is distraught. But even that's an instance where, yes, like Theo was involved and she believes Luke. Like she's the only person that believes Luke when he says that there was something down there with him. Like the parents yeah. just think that he was scared. But um, yeah. yeah, that's like another instance where, yes, that happened to Theo, but it mainly happened to Luke. He's mm-hmm. the one who got attacked by this like demon, this ghost man. Yeah, whatever that, whatever that thing is. Which that scene was so terrifying mm-hmm. too. 
But then even after that, though, with, like, the end of Theo's episode, like, she finally, so she's, she clearly is having issues coping with the fact that she's lost Nellie, and she finally is able to go see her towards the end of her episode mm-hmm. after Shirley has worked on her and, you know, fixed her up and all that stuff. And she needs to know just based on her own actions and kind of like, it looks like she's looking for some sort of closure on the matter. And she knows Hill House was very suspect of a place. So the fact that she died there, I think, piques Theo's interest enough that she attempts to touch um nelly and whatever the fuck she sees terrifies Mm -hmm. the shit out of her like whatever that was it it her reaction i jumped like i jumped from her reaction Mm -hmm. there i was like what is going on she like screams and she falls to the floor and she's like sobbing and Yeah. yeah You're like, oh God, what is? It's like it's it's just another way, another layer of what terrible thing happened to Nelly. Like we already feel bad for Nelly that we know she died and something happened to her, but that just after after three episodes to have that and be like, oh, not only did she die, not only did she die in a bad way, it looks like she died in a very bad way. You're like, oh, well, and up to this point as well, because we've only gotten other people's perspectives everybody it seems like of all of the siblings everybody loved nelly everybody cared about nelly and it seems like all of them had really mm-hmm. good relationships and interactions with her of course we haven't seen things yeah. from her perspective yet but it yeah it's like it's just interesting that out of all of the siblings you know like nelly seems to be that one where it doesn't seem like she ever really did anything wrong and so yeah, yeah so now you're like oh my god like what happened to her and why like because we don't know like why was she at the house what was she doing what like mm-hmm. these are still things we have yet to answer but since we're talking about nally let's get to episode four the twin thing which focuses mm-hmm. on her twin luke and uh at- which real quick yeah. oliver jackson cohen fucking hats off my dude that performance is i adult luke is definitely one of my favorites just based off depth of character of like especially because how of how he was introduced Mm -hmm. like you get him as like this he he you know he rarely talks they really kind of portray him as just like this junkie like it looks like he's been doing drugs for fucking years and all he's doing is just the the hauntings fucked him up so badly that all he can do is cope with the drugs that he has and then you get five minutes with him and he's like a very coherent fucking dude and you're like what the fuck hold Mm -hmm. on like the perception that you've been painted of him up until this point is like so different than i feel like the one you have after like five minutes Mm -hmm. with him yeah, he because we when we meet first meet adult Luke in this episode. Yeah, he's 90 days clean. He looks great. He's talking and like he seems like a very like he's a nice person. He is trying really really hard to get his life together. And so yeah, it's like a completely different picture than what has been painted of him by his siblings up to this point. And mm-hmm. this is also when we get to meet 
the ghost that was tormenting Luke as a child, which was mm-hmm. a man, a tall man with a cane and a bowler hat. But it's interesting because it's like he, his feet don't touch the floor. He like floats. But his <sighs> Yo, cane... that, that ghost <laughs> is fucking terrifying. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. That shit was terrifying. Mm. The setup, the delivery. Oh, my God. Oh, I get chills off of that yeah, shit. Yeah, he's very creepy, and you don't see his face. Like, you always see the back of him, and it's very weird. It's just very surreal. It's a weird ghost. Like, it definitely yeah. feels like a dream every time you see him, but it's not. Like, he's there, but it just the way that he moves, the way that he looks, the way that he is always just kind of like, following Luke because throughout this entire mm-hmm. episode Luke sees him everywhere everywhere fucking everywhere. every time he turns around this guy's just chilling this this like stone cold chilling on the corner right behind him mm-hmm. across the street and Luke's like uh, uh, what like he's <laughs> just spooked the whole time but yeah this guy's everywhere that he goes and um this episode is really sad because you can see like throughout the whole episode Luke is just like desperately fighting to be good and it's just really hard to watch because like nothing goes his way yeah he's trying so hard to maintain innocence and like he's doing a damn good job of it like he's doing his best and the world around him just won't let it happen Mm -hmm. The whole, I, I just, I, I gotta go back because that shit was so fucking good. But the whole setup with the bowler hat ghost and how he experiences it is just so terrifying. Because one, like I said before, Lil Luke is the most adorable, adorable kid I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And like, we've talked about paranormal stuff on this podcast a lot. The way they handle the sequence when, so he gets a hat from the attic, right? Mm-hmm. that his dad's like all right sure you can keep it um but on the the flip side is you have to stop saying that you're seeing these like people or ghosts or whatever that aren't real he's like big boys don't do that you just have to believe you have if you're gonna be a big boy i'll let you have this hat and he's like all right cool and like he loves this hat he takes his hat with him everywhere and then one night he's hearing the little banging like coming from the coming from the hallway and he goes to check and he just sees this like seven foot tall dude hovering in the air. The only thing that's touching is his cane that he's kind of using to just walk from door to door. And it's not one of those scares where it's like, do you subtly see this thing? Is it really there? He's like, no, he is very clearly there. Mm-hmm. And like Luke's just stuck there, like looking at him. And then the ghost sees luke not like directly sees him but feels luke's presence and you know and he's a kid so the only thing he can think to do is just shut the door behind him and you know hide and normally in a lot of movies that's enough right you close the door the ghost might you know jingle the door knob a couple times but like you're usually good unless there's something already in there right not for fucking luke like not only has this kid seen other like seeing other people around the house like he sees this little girl like around the house not only has he been attacked by a skeleton man in a secret cellar that they've <laughs> never even known was there 
But he he tries to close the door on this insanely creepy bowler hat ghost dude. And it doesn't fucking work. Because what does he do? The dude just opens the fucking door and comes in anyway. And he's just like, it's just this, like, Luke's hiding under the bed. And you just see the cane just slowly, like, moving over to, I guess, his sister's bed, uh, to Nellie's bed. Um, then it goes over to Luke's bed. And then the shot is so good of you see kind of like the shadow of it take up the hat and put it back on his head. Mm-hmm. And then he's like going to leave. But then Luke just can't stop from making a sound. And that thing fucking comes after him. And like just the whole sequence of like that particular scare. I'm like, no wonder this dude is fucking a drug mm-hmm. addict. Like, I would be fucked up if I saw that as a kid. Are you shitting me? Yeah. Like, that is terrifying. Yeah, it's, it is terrifying. It's like, what? <laughs> it's like, what do you even do? I don't even like, know. Like, what the fuck do you even do? All the normal notions of what would stop a ghost from hurting you are not working on this particular ghost. He is still fucking moving towards mm-hmm. you. Yeah, I would just, I would already be dead by the time it got to me from a heart attack. <laughs> I would be like, oh, okay, well. <laughs> But yeah, so um, after we find out he's been 90 days clean, we meet his friend who mm. is, mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. so he, there's mm. this girl named Joey who is also in the rehab rehabilitation center and they're friends, you know, it seems like they're kind of helping each other get through it and they're having this conversation and Joey's being kind of because uh, now Luke is at the stage where he kind of has to like list everything all the wrong that he's done to people and so he's basically going through all the shit he's done to his siblings and they're kind of having this conversation Joey's being kind of weird and so that same night Luke wakes up we get to see the the wake up thing from his perspective the 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 303 Mm -hmm. from his perspective he wakes up and he sees nelly and she tells him to go and so then the next morning when he wakes up he finds out that joey has left the rehab facility basically like left in the middle of the night like she didn't (laughs) discharge like she just ran away basically and luke gets really upset and he thinks he gets it in his mind that nelly was telling him that he should go after joey so he Mm -hmm. also leaves the rehab facility and he goes to look for her yeah oh i think it's also important to to like talk about the fact that outside of them having you know twin tendencies like they have a very strong twin connection Mm -hmm. where like they genuinely kind of fear feel each other's emotions Mm -hmm. and stuff like that yeah it's something that they get into like more the more that the series goes on but yeah they definitely have this connection where every time it when especially when they're younger you can see that like every time that nelly is scared luke like if she is awake and she's scared luke will wake up and he'll know that she's scared and like vice versa yeah. like they both can kind of sense each other and when the other other is in distress and so and that's something that they've done since they were younger so luke you know 
Luke waking up and seeing her isn't really a red flag to him, I don't think, because yeah. it's just kind of their, their twin thing. Like, he doesn't really think Yeah, it doesn't of it. register probably the same. Yeah, it's not as weird as Steven seeing Nellie. Like, that mm-hmm. is weird for him. But Luke seeing Nellie, it's kind of like, oh, it's our twin thing. And he thinks it's a message from Nellie that he needs to go after Joey. And he does. Like, he goes after her and he actually ends up finding her. But yeah. she's already taken drugs. Like, she is high when he finds her. So then Luke is like, okay, well, I'm going to find us a place for you to come down. But because both of them have voluntarily given up their spots at the rehab center like they can't go back there so this is another instance where we get to see things from luke's perspective instead of steven's because now we realize that luke was stealing from steven because he needed to get money to get him and joey a hotel room it was never about drugs it's about him trying to do the right thing for and save and help his friend yeah and the thing is, like, the stealing wasn't his first um, inclination. Like, that wasn't what he went to. It was like, all right, this is what I have to do as, mm-hmm. like, the first thing. Like, he tried different methods to get cash, but it nothing was working out. And, like, A, the, it was getting deeper into the night. And, B, he's also starting to, like, kind of suffer from, like, what, se- what seems like hypothermia in a way. Like, he's not well anymore. Like, he's starting to feel, like, sick and stuff, like. He's getting like withdrawal syndromes mm-hmm. himself, which he doesn't really understand. But like, so all this is kind of like building up on him during that night to him just being like, oh, fuck it. I need this money. Like, do what I got to do sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that he does the only thing he can think of, which is steal from Steven, who, of course, sees him kind of going through these withdrawal symptoms and assumes the worst. So uh, yeah. Steven ends up just giving him cash. So. Like, he doesn't take his stuff. He leaves it with them. But Joey does the double cross, and mm, she takes, fucking he man, takes man. his cash, and she's like, oh, I need to use the bathroom. I'm going to go into this alley, and she disappears and leaves. That was the most heartbreaking mm-hmm. fucking scene to watch. Mm-hmm. It was just watching. It's like 30 to 40 minutes of somebody just doing their absolute damnedest just to get fucked mm-hmm. over. And the fact that it just sucks that Steven gave him the foreshadowing for it too, because he's brought Joey to dinner before. And so like Steve, I, I think at the time, like once you learned through the episode, like Steven was going through his own relationship problems at the time. So it made him a little bit harsher than normal, mm-hmm. but the whole time, like Luke's trying to be like, Hey, she's a good person. She's helping me through this. And he's like, and Steven's kind of harsh. He's just like, she's a fucking junkie. You can't trust her. Like, essentially is what yeah, he's basically he, saying. He's like, he tells Luke, he's like, she seems kind of slick to me. And like, she's like disarmingly charming is basically how mm-hmm. he describes Joey. And of course, Luke is very offended by that. But then come to realize that Steven was kind of right. Like, yeah. And that fucking sucks because then he's just, now we're just left with, luke who gave up his good thing to try and help his friend now he's got no money he's already just like wronged him his sibling again Mm -hmm. even though he didn't want to and now he's literally just on the fucking street like just freezing all while being 
continuously fucking terrified by this bowler hat ghost dude Mm -hmm. and it's just that that whole like last like 10 15 minutes is just so Mm -hmm. hard to watch because like he's like he gets mugged and he's like outside he's just trying to fucking survive while ignoring the fact that he's being haunted and he's going through so much stuff in that in that last bit mm-hmm. it is hard to watch it's like requiem for a dream We're like Jesus it Christ. really <laughs> fucking is it is like that was a brutal sequence of scenes to watch man i'm like oh man yeah. luke i feel, you for feel you, really dude. bad for him because you know that he hasn't done anything and he is trying really really hard just to get somewhere and so he keeps doing this thing he keeps counting to seven and mm-hmm. like Every time he sees the man, he, like, immediately starts counting to seven. And he, like, does it over and over and over again. And we find out later on that this is something that Luke told Nellie to do when she was scared. He told her that she needed to count to seven. It's seven specifically because there's seven people in their family. And so each number represents Mm -hmm each of them and so that's something that he taught her how to do when she was younger and it seems to be something that has stuck with him and so you know he keeps trying to do it to get this you know this ghost to leave him alone but it's not really working so finally he calls the rehab center and we come to find out that steven is there looking for him because he needs to basically get luke so they can go to the funeral for nelly yeah so they you know come to pick him up oh wait real quick before we before we go into like the last Mm -hmm. bit i don't remember is in this episode or a different episode where he it could have been in shirley's episode where nelly was getting married and he actually attempted to come to the wedding but surely i think Mm. it was surely was like no you cannot be here um like i think think that it was i think it might have been Shirley. i almost want to say it was yeah i want to almost say that it was in shirley's episode because like that was like a first we didn't have the frame of reference that we do in the fourth episode mm-hmm. but that was like one of the few instances of the show being like look at luke attempting to be good to to do good by his family but like he's very clearly the fuck up right and so there's like we want you to have no part of this and it's just like in i think in that was in this episode like when he's going over the shit that he did to his family like i think that's one of the things that he's also holding with him is like he didn't get to see his twin sister get married mm-hmm. you know like well and to be fair he was high so that was why yeah, that was, was why high. shirley kicked him out is because yeah. she she saw him outside she went outside and she like looked into his eyes and she was like you're high like you're definitely <laughs> yeah. high yeah but yeah it's yeah it's like he he missed out on one of the most important parts of Nellie's life and out of everyone like it's very obvious that although he loves all of his family like he holds Nellie obviously to a different degree because they are twins and so yeah, yeah it's like that's probably something that he's regretted mm-hmm. and um so yeah it's it's really sad to see him kind of hear the news about Nellie because. Yeah. Cause you have all that backstory behind their relationship and their connection. And then to know that he's probably, he probably hasn't seen her for fucking years mm-hmm. 
and now it's just like yeah she's dead but it's and it's interesting though because it's like even in her death like they still have this twin thing because his withdraw symptoms i think is just him feeling nelly die yeah yeah a hundred percent like i was i caught that for the whole for the whole thing i was like holy shit this whole time like because they start happening after she dies Mm -hmm. and like he's always talking about being cold and like he's freezing it's just like yo he's and he's like he is feeling her dead body Mm -hmm. i'm like oh my god that's fucking yeah because he's like i'm stiff my arms are stiff my legs are stiff like my mu- and he he keeps saying that like over and over and it's very obvious that he's the only person that's like freezing like he's yeah. free he's like shivering the entire time and joey's like yo you good like she's just like are yeah. you all right dude and he's like sh- like i'm trying to rob yeah. you here like what's like, going on shivering and yeah it's like even in death they still have this twin thing that enough so that we get that little reveal at the end of episode four which i actually had to rewind like three times to get because like at the end when he's like uh what happened to her is like oh she committed suicide and then like he just takes a second and he's like nah no she didn't Mm -hmm. like he just fucking knows and like I, that was one. That was one of the few times through this first watch that I was like, no, no, no. I have to, I have to rewatch that because he just gave some juicy fucking <laughs> story plot point. I was like, I'm not missing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he knows right away. He's like, no, she didn't. Like there, there's no mm-hmm. way. And I think out of everybody, Nelly, the dad, and Luke are the ones who have held throughout their entire lives that hill house is not just a house like you can tell out of all of them that the three of them like no matter what anybody says to them or how crazy people think that they are that they've like held on to that idea and that they refuse to kind of accept that that is not the truth so yeah you can tell immediately that he's like "Uh uh-uh no like something something is wrong here And so then, of course, you're like, all right, uh, please play the next episode. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But I'm excited. But unfortunately for our series, I had to pause. But now I'm like, the moment we stop recording, I'm like, I got to go watch the rest. (laughs) I'm very excited for you to get into the next ones um, because the next two are my favorite episodes. And yeah, I'm really excited to talk about these next ones because this is when we start unpacking some bonkers stuff so So, but even so far just four episodes mm -hmm. in i i really think like and this could just be in the hype of watching it but this might be one of my favorite horror things period Mm -hmm. like straight up it's just so well made um the scares are great um but it's beautiful that the scares aren't the only thing that's great about this tv show and this series is like for how amazingly spooky it is there's just so much depth that you get to enjoy it on so many different layers i'm very clearly very clearly sold on this series (laughs) and i'm excited to watch more of it yay that's all i want this is the whole reason that i wanted to do this was just to get (laughs) you addicted to it as well i'm mad i waited this long honestly but i'm I'm in there (laughs) we in there now (laughs) I'm I'm along for this ride. I need to find out what happened. Like I'm 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 a hundred percent fanboy mode. Like I'm ready to go. I 
I'm so happy because I've been wanting to talk about this show for a really long time. <laughs> but I was like, I don't know who else has watched it. Um, but I'm. But if the other homies, if y'all have watched it, yo, we got to talk about this yes. show because it's. Yes. We didn't. There's a lot of stuff that we didn't even cover. That's like because there's just so much. Oh, my God. Yes. But if you guys want to talk about it, homies. Don't you we got to keep it to these first four episodes that we talked about because I do not want Mm -hmm. anything to get spoiled for him. I don't want him to know anything about the ending or anything. So if you do want to discuss it with us, you're just you're just going to have to go at the same pace that we are going. Do not spoil, please, because I want him to get everything at a specific time. (laughs) So, yeah, but if you want to talk about these first four episodes specifically, then yeah, like, please go for it. There's so much to talk about. It's ridiculous like if we took the time to talk about every single thing that happened and like all of the things that could it could mean oh like we, th- this we'd could be, be here for a full 24 yeah, this hours could be like a six hour episode in itself and that's why we wanted to break this down into different parts because there is so much to talk about and we wanted to have the time to really talk about things. So please just let us know what you thought. Let us know things that you notice. Um, any theories yeah, that you have it, about things. Keep it spoiler free, but by all means, share your excitement with yes. us. And I hope that if you guys haven't watched this, that maybe you'll go ahead and watch it along with us. And yeah, let us know if it's your first time watching it, what you think. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited to to finish. The, I'm excited for you <laughs> to finish it and for us to be able to talk about it because that's going to be great. It's going to be great. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Super excited. But I hope that you guys are also excited about these bonus episodes and I hope that you're excited for the new season. Um, let us know if you are excited about it and what you're like, what are your theories about what it's going to be like and all the characters and stuff? I could talk about it for hours. But um, that's going to be it for us, homies. Thank you so much for listening to our bonus boy. And as always, find us on our social medias at Homies of Horror. Um, you can email us at Homies of Horror at gmail.com if you have any requests or if you want to talk in depth about the show please email us but other than that that's gonna be it for us today and we will be seeing you next monday guys catch you later bye